This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. Thanks, Hannah. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Ash. So this is the first, like, in-person talk I've done, I think, for three years, definitely before COVID. I do lots of it with work online, but I'm quite used now just to talking at the screen, and uh, you don't get any feedback, so you just, <laughs> just keep going, so go easy on me. Also, um, when Hannah sent me the... Uh, <laughs> can you talk on uh, 2 Samuel 12? It's actually quite heavy going, um, but hopefully I've got something that um, God wants to share this morning. So... Um, we, so we're carrying on the talk through um, to Samuel, looking at King David, and um, I'm not going to read it out because it's quite a long one, but I'm just going to kind of paraphrase and kind of give a, give a gist of, of what this is going on about, but obviously, please do go away and have a read. So, so in, in uh, 2 Samuel 12, we meet Nathan. So Nathan is a court prophet to King David. Now, we've got to remember this is the Old Testament, so this is a time where where God's spirit is not freely available to everyone. He's talking to his people through his prophets, and Nathan is one of those. And he's kind of in King David's kind of inner sanctum. And he comes to David with a, a story, a parable um, of two men. So there's one rich man, and there's a poor man. Now, the, Nathan says to David, the poor man's only possession um, was a little lamb. He had a ewe lamb. And he raised it together with his other children. He said um, it ate their food, it drank from their cup, it even slept in their bed. So this lamb was like a child to them. And then one day a traveler, a guest comes along to the rich man, to his house. And so the rich man knows he needs to um, look after this um, guest. And rather than taking one of his own um, cattle or sheep he t- uh, to prepare a meal, he takes this little lamb poor little lamb, off the poor man, and he kills it, and he prepares a meal. And David is absolutely outraged at this. He he thinks this is a true story. And he says, whoever did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he's got no pity. Now, David's letting his kind of emotions get the better of him. Uh, But Nathan pulls David up, and he actually shows a mirror to David, and he said, this isn't a story about someone else. This is actually you. Um, The rich man who's done such an injustice is is you, David. So Nathan then prophesies and and he rebukes David with a word from God. He says, I anointed you king. I delivered you from Saul. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if this wasn't enough, I would have given you more. But why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing evil in his eyes? Now, David... The kind of story behind this, he'd, he'd gr- really grieved God's heart by taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite um, when he was away at war. He kind of saw her, coveted her, and he took her to be, to be himself, even though she was the wife to Uriah, and she got pregnant. And then to hide his infidelity, um, he kills Uriah, he sends him out to war, he sends him to the front line, and he gets killed. Um, and obviously, this, you know, this, this grieves God's heart. So Nathan dares to speak up, and he speaks truth into David's life. He brings his sin out in the open. 
He says, you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and you took his wife to be your own. And, you know, to us, what David did, it was clearly wrong. Um, it's quite easy to kind of look, read, look at the Bible, read the Bible and kind of read it through our own lens, you know, today's lens. And actually, you know, this was 3,000 years ago. This was kind of Bronze Age, early Iron Age. People, they're very, very different. They live very different lives. So just flick on to the next slide. Um, now, I know you won't believe it, um, but I actually went to university in the 1990s. I know it looks far too young for that. So for all you young people here, the 90s, this was a time uh, before smartphones. We did, actually, we did have the internet, believe it or not, but it was kind of on the end of a telephone line. Um, you had to plug it in. The Spice Girls were in the charts. Tony Blair was in power. Um, we used the yellow, something called the Yellow Pages. Remember that? Kind of before the internet. And kind of the biggest concern, well, for, for me at the time, was um, what to do for the, for the millennium, for the party. And also with this kind of millennium bug, was it going to kind of take everything down? Now, I just turned 18, um, and my birthday present was I got a brand new portable TV and a VHS. For those of you that don't know, that's a VHS tape. And I was one of the few people in my halls of residence university that didn't just have a TV and a VHS tape. I also had an aerial that I could plug into the TV. And I actually paid for a TV license as well. So suffice to say, I had quite a lot of friends um, when, you know, when there was something good to watch on TV. And just to kind of prove how old I am, um, the, I'm sure you all know, very familiar, the hit TV show Friends was still being broadcast. So it was season six had kind of just come out. And in those days, you couldn't just binge watch it. You know, you had to wait for it to come out on TV. Um, and also, what was even worse was it came out on Sky first, so you had to wait six months before it came out on Channel 4 to watch it. But one of my friends that I made friends with at uni, his, he had Sky at home. So every week, his mum would tape Friends, and she'd put it in the post. And then we'd have a, a watch party in my room. So fa fast forward kind of 20 years or so, and um, you know we've got Netflix now, and we see that Friends comes back on, and you can watch all of it. So... We watched all of it back, and, you know, it, it kind of is still as good and as funny as we remembered. And actually, there was a couple of, like, bonus episodes that I think we've missed along the way. But I think what we did notice, was, you know, there's one or two, maybe more than that, moments in it where it doesn't quite feel right. It kind of jars. Some of the jokes kind of grate a little bit. The tone doesn't quite work anymore. And this was quite a progressive TV program at the time. But society has moved on. You know, even in 20 years, there's things in that that, Actually, we go, that's not quite right. Now, go back a, a hundred years, and you've got women can't vote, people living, you know, segregated lives because, just because of the color of their skin. 200 years back, um, slavery was part of everyday life. In fact, you know, it was upheld. The church would kind of use the Bible to kind of support it. So what, you know, our understanding of what's right and wrong has actually moved on and changed quite you know, drastically in the last 20 years, 100 years, 200 years. Now, let's go back 3,000 years. I think we don't quite appreciate this. It's a completely different civilization culture. Um, you know, end of the Bronze Age, the only real power was the sword. And, and King David, you know, in that moment, what he did with taking Uriah's wife probably wasn't, um, you know, it was probably what most kings would have done, um, maybe what most men would have done. And it, you know, it probably wasn't unusual. But you see, David, King David, he wasn't an ordinary person. He was 
He was a man called after God's heart. There was a better way for him. And God, God kind of was grieved because he, was, he should have been different. And this, I think the story that we see throughout the Bible is of God's people gradually, progressively getting a clearer revelation uh, of God's true heart, his true character, and about his plan for us, about his plan for his people and his, for his creation. Kind of over time, the scales kind of gradually fall away and they start to see a bit more about God, a bit more about who he was. God hasn't changed, but just our understanding of him has changed, become more, more kind of real. And David's, you know, reaction to the story, so if you remember, he hears this, and he's kind of outraged, and he demands that this person should be killed, and he should have to pay four times over. And that was actually, that was actually contrary to what David knew about the law that had kind of been given to them. So if you think, you know, an eye for an eye, that, you know, a, a, a limb for a limb. So in this case, actually, the, the right thing would have been a, a sheep for a sheep, a lamb for a lamb. But David's kind of outraged. And, you know, even that, uh, that kind of new, the law that kind of God revealed to his people at that time, saying, you know, an eye for an eye, it seems really barbaric to us. Somebody should wrong you and, you, you know, take their eye out. But actually, at the time, it was hugely progressive. You know, if you think, if, if somebody wronged you at that point, you didn't just take back maybe what they did. You would take their life, probably the life of their family, the whole of their village. And that was kind of David's reaction, wasn't it? He, did, he wanted revenge. But God says there's a better way. And then, you know, we, we come forward a thousand years and Jesus comes and Jesus shows us. He reveals what he was talking about even clearer. He said, there's a better way still. You know, you love your neighbor. You forgive. Um, and David, so David's a man of God's own heart and he should have known better. Nathan has to come along and he has to, he has to call him out and he has to speak truth into his life. And this won't have been an easy thing to do. It's King David. He's the king. You know, people around him, you know, if you think even today, um, probably all the kings at that time, but even think about people today like President Putin, a very powerful man. He's surrounded by yes men, people who's going to kind of stand up and speak truth to him. And actually, if they did, what would happen? They probably wouldn't last very long. But Nathan is kind of bold and he stands up and he, and he challenges David and he speaks that truth into his life. So David's different. Um, he's allowed himself to have people in his life, people like Nathan around him who can speak that truth into him when he needs it. To kind of get that correction, to get that um, discipleship, that discipline. And this is a real sign for me of David's maturity. Not that he was a perfect person. We know he wasn't perfect. You know, he, that was an you know, incredible um, sin, wasn't it? To take Uriah's wife and then to kill him. But actually, this shows, I think, a sign of his maturity. He's, he's humble. He's willing to listen. And um, it leads to Repentance. So David listens that he hears it, and it leads to repentance. He cries out, he admits his wrongdoing, he acknowledges it, he changes his heart. He asks for forgiveness. And so I think the first part of this story in this lesson is we need people in our lives like Nathan, people who can speak truth over us, sharpen us, make sure that we're living lives 
that are worthy of our calling of our, as, as children of God. You know, there's a better way. It's not easy, and we're not, we're not going to get it right. But So have we got people? Have you got, some, have you got people, those people in your life, who can speak that truth to you? Now, I think we can often get it a wrong mindset when it, when it comes to, you know, sin, repentance. It's, I think it's quite easy, or well, I find it's really easy, to, you know, to beat yourself up, to think that God's acceptance and love is, and favor is, is only dependent on when we live right. You know, we've got to, if, unless, we, unless I live up to God's standards, then I won't kind of get that acceptance and love. We think that, you know, if we wrong, if we grieve, God's going to turn away, he's going to turn his back on us. Um, but, you know, this, that couldn't be further from the truth. That is a, that's, I, wanna, I think that's one of the things that God just wants to speak into today. That's a lie. It's a lie as old as humanity. Um, go back to Adam and Eve and that um, Genesis 3 that Hannah mentioned this morning. God's walking in the garden in the call of the day, um, and it's an Adam and Eve have hid. They've just, you know, Eve's just eaten the fruit, and they know they've done the wrong thing, and they run away, and they hide in their shame. But God seeks them out. God comes and finds them. So sin doesn't make God love you any less. It doesn't make God love me any less. God's dealt with our sin long before, you know, before the foundation of the earth, it was all planned. It was all taken care of. Romans 5, 18 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died. So let's, get, let's kind of deal with that now. But sin's an issue that we need to deal with, not so much because you know, it separates us from God, but it makes us draw away in shame, to run away, to hide. And it actually makes us ineffective. You know, it stops us fulfilling the purpose that we're called to, to be, the lives that we're called to be, children of God, carriers of his kingdom. Just like David, living, in, living that way, living in that sin, was holding him back from being the king that he was called to be. So God uses Nathan to speak truth to David's life, to bring him to a place of restoration so that he can fulfill his purpose. So who have we got speaking into our life? People that we know, people that we trust, people that we love. Um, a quick story. Um, sorry, Esme, I'm going to embarrass you now. But when Esme was little, she used to like to, to write me notes. Um, things that she probably she really wished she could tell me. Maybe things that I hadn't done so well. Um, one of them I seem to remember was, um, Daddy, I still love you even though you dropped me. Uh, <laughs> which is fair enough. And then if you just flick on the slide, I've, I've got this one framed in my office. If you can't read it, it says, To Daddy, uh, when you go to London, I still love you. So I'd go to London every week. Obviously, she didn't like that because I went away, and that was something that I did. But she was able to tell me, you know, she was able to kind of speak that to me. There's a whole other side to this story. So one, of the, the, one half of this story is about David, you know, it's about speaking that kind of correction into his life. But the other side of the story is it's all about Nathan, about who he was, about the person, the prophet that he was. You know, and there are modern day people, there are modern day Nathans that are using their voice to speak God's truth to power. I was thinking of um, Greta Thunberg. You know, 
this kind of iconic picture of her at just 16 years old. She's at the World Economic Forum in Davos. She's surrounded by, you know, the richest people in the world, the most powerful people on the planet. And she calls them out and she tells them that their success is actually, you know, their actions is leading to the destruction of our planet, you know, climate destruction. A young voice that's speaking truth to power. And we've all got a voice, haven't we? The other side of this is we've all got a voice that we can use to speak uh, into situations, into people, into our friends' lives, but also, you know, into the world. You know, God, God can use us to change the world. It wouldn't be a talk without a bit of uh, Barack Obama. So there's an incredible uh, video I just want to show you. Your voice makes a difference. Your voice makes a difference. And if you don't believe that, I want to leave you with one last story. When I ran for the presidency in 08, I, I fly down to North Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina. Alarm goes off, and I feel terrible. I am exhausted. Think I'm coming down with a cold. I open up the curtains. It's pouring down rain outside. Pouring down rain. Horrible day. I get the newspaper outside my door, and there's a bad story about me in the New York Times. I get dressed, shave, walk out. My umbrella blows open. That ever happened to you? And I get soaked, soaked. I'm just soaked. I get in the car. I say, all right, how long is it going to take to Greenwood? An hour and a half. <laughs> Finally, I get out, and I walk in, and there are like 15, 20 people there. And I will tell you, they didn't look any happier to see me than I did to see them. And so I go around the room and I say, how do you do? What do you do? But they're not really feeling it right now. And suddenly I hear this voice from the back just shout, fired up. And everybody in the room says, fired up. And then I hear the voice say, ready to go. And everybody in the room says, ready to go. And I don't know what's going on. I think these people are crazy. Maybe I shouldn't have come here. And then I look in the back of the room, and there's this middle-aged woman. She's got a big church hat, and she got, I think, a gold tooth. Turns out she holds a position in the local NAACP office, and also, I'm not kidding you, is a private detective. This is a true story. She's like a, a, she's, she's like a private eye. Although, it's hard to think that you wouldn't see her coming. She's very colorful. And she is known wherever she goes by saying this chant, fired up, ready to go. And every meeting she goes to, she does this thing. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, after a while, I'm starting to get kind of fired up. I'm, 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 not, I'm, starting, to, I'm starting to feel like I'm ready to go. And all those, all those negative thoughts and all those bad memories start kind of drifting away. And it just goes to show you how one voice can change a room. And if it can change a room, it can change a city. And if it can change a city, it can change a state. And if it can change a state, it can change a nation. And if it can change a nation, it can change the world. I just have one question for you. Are you fired up? Ready to go? Fired up?
So yeah, I feel like there's some uh, just stuff that God wants to do this morning. So if the worship team could come back, let's just stand. I think it'd be good if we just all respond to this. Mm. Mm, you know, God's word is powerful. If our words are powerful, God's word is even more powerful. God spoke the whole of creation into being. He just says the word and it happens. Hmm. I think there's just some words that need, uh, maybe even some words that have been spoken over people's lives that maybe need breaking. Just get the truth in there. Hmm. This whole issue of um, God's love and his acceptance. You know, the, the word, the Greek word for repentance is, is um, metanoia. And it, it actually means to change your mind. It's not so much about changing your actions, it's about changing your mind. And your actions follows. You know, God wants to change some mindsets this morning about who he is, about his love for you. Hmm. You know, God, God accepts you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make God love, love you any less. There's nowhere that you can go to hide from God's love. And yeah, for some of us, maybe it's just words of, of rejection, of not not being good enough, maybe we reject ourselves, maybe it's someone else. God is fully satisfied with you. God is fully satisfied with you. And for others, I think there's, you know, there's a calling uh, on some people, obviously on all of us, but I think some people specifically, to use your voice to speak God's truth into people's lives, to change atmospheres, to change cities, to change nations. So Holy Spirit, we just uh, welcome you now. We thank you that you're here. Father God, we thank you that you love us, you accept us for who we are. But thank you, God, that you don't want us to stay like that. Holy Spirit, I just pray for freedom this morning, freedom to break any um, issues in our lives, things that we just can't seem to overcome, that we just keep failing on time and time again. We pray for freedom this morning. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just land on us. Fill us up, God. Pray you'd pour out that gift of the prophetic, that prophetic voice to speak in truth and to, to power to change situations and nations, Lord. So let's just worship and just stay in that place. Receive that.
if you if you want to um, if you want some prayer for that, then we can pray um, after. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.